Hello and welcome to Buried Treasure. With this program, we conclude our three-part series on classical music from Japan with the period after World War II to the present. When various composers in the West began to experiment with serial techniques, abstract music, music concrete, and electronic invention, Japanese composers, probably more than any others in Asia, were in the forefront of this movement. Many of them studied with composers who created the Darmstadt School and others of similar character who promoted new compositional styles. One such Japanese composer, Kazuo Fukushima, has been a major contributor to the avant-garde school. He is self-taught and took part in a study group seeking to revive Japanese drama, the No Play. In 1961, Fukushima lectured in Darmstadt on the relationship between the music aspects of the No and Japanese music. After a year at Cambridge, he returned to Japan and wrote both instrumental music and music for the stage. We're going to listen to a composition of Fukushima called Haikyo, written for flute, piano, strings, and percussion. Haikyo means flying mirror, the Japanese word for the moon who is considered to mirror sacred objects. The work is in three movements, Haikyo number one, an andante movement, Mai for solo flute, in which undulating and sinuous rhythms, quarter tones and portamentos add a certain vagueness to the musical intervals. In the third movement, Haikyo two, the solo flute is supported by quasi-military percussive sound, A misty poetry of nature seems to emerge from the shifting and florid flute melody. Instead of serial structure, Fukushima relies on the free invention of his imagination. And so, let's listen to Kazuo Fukushima's Haikyo. Uh, The flutist is Severino Gazzaloni, with the soloists of the Rome Symphony Orchestra, directed by Bruno Moderna.
We open the third part in our series on Japanese music uh, with Kazuo Fukushima's Haikyo for flute, piano, strings, and percussion, the flutist Severino Gazzaloni uh, with soloists of the Rome Symphony Orchestra directed by Bruno Moderna. Now the next composer, Yoyi Yuasa, like Fukushima, was self-taught. Uh, he was born a year earlier than Fukushima in 1929, and he became one of the leading Japanese composers seeking to establish a major presence in contemporary music. In 1951 uh, and 52, together with the composer Toru Takamitsu and others, Yuasa founded Yiken Kobo, an experimental workshop, which was dedicated to the exploration of new directions in the arts, including multimedia. Since then, Yuasa has been actively engaged in a wide range of musical composition, including orchestral, choral, and chamber music, as well as music for the theater, and intermedia, electronic, and computer music. He has received numerous commissions from such institutions as the uh, Kuzovitsky Music Foundation, the Saarland Radio Symphony Orchestra, the Helsinki Philharmonic, the Japan Philharmonic, the NHK Symphony, and it goes on and on. Yuasa has also received a number of scholarships at home and abroad. As a guest composer and lecturer, Yuasa has contributed to the Festival of the Arts of this century in Hawaii, which was held in 1970. Uh, the new music concerts in Toronto were also something he participated in in 1980, uh, as well as numerous other workshops, contemporary music programs. He's been a, a leader in uh, avant-garde music uh, and one of the major players in that role in Japan today. From 1981 to 1994, he was a music researcher and professor at the University of California at San Diego. There, he's currently a professor emeritus. He's also served as a guest professor at the Tokyo College of Music and a professor for the postgraduate course of the College of Arts at Nihon University. That was since 1993. Of course, he's received numerous awards, one of which was the 1996 Suntory Music Award. On March 3rd, 2007, the Music from Japan Ensemble presented a concert entitled The World of Yoyi Yuasa at the American Concert Hall in New York City, and the composer gave a pre-concert lecture. We're going to hear two works by Yuasa. The first is called Cosmos Haptic from 1957. It's a piano work, one of several with this title. A sweeping melody develops over an ostinato harmony recalling Messiaen. The melodic orientation has a flavor of Japanese shakuhachi music. The pianist is Stefan Schliemacher. Thank you. 
That was a work entitled Cosmos Haptic from 1957 by Joji Iwasa. And now we're going to hear uh, scenes from Basho, written many years later, 1980. The work uses haiku verses by Basho, uh, which of course serves as the title of the piece. Uh, there are three movements. The first is called A Winter Sun, On My Horse Back, A Shadow Sits Freezing. <laughs> 
That's all in the first movement. The second movement uh, is entitled Blinding Bright and refers to the relentless sun, but also the wind of autumn. And the last part, Full Moon of Autumn, waves head crawling up to the gate, says the score. These verses express the deep rapport between human beings and the universe, a cosmological principle, if you will, that uh, is very popular amongst Japanese composers uh, in the second half of the 20th century. Uh, so we're going to hear scenes from Basho, uh, written by Yuasa and performed by the Tokyo Philharmonic, directed by Tadaki Otaka.
We've just heard Scenes from Basho, performed by the Tokyo Philharmonic Orchestra, directed by Tadaki Otaka, the music of Yoyi Yuasa. And now we turn to probably the most famous composer uh, of this period, beginning after World War II, Toru Takemitsu. He was born in 1930, the same year uh, as Fukushima and a year after Yuasa. Takamitsu became the most internationally celebrated Japanese composer uh, on the contemporary scene. His early work as a member of the New Composers Group and also uh, of the Jitsuken Kobo, I believe that is pronounced, uh, a research laboratory for experimental composers, bore fruit quickly and put Takamitsu in the spotlight. His interest in creating an especially evocative Japanese atmosphere in his music through the use of modern techniques is oriented toward a kind of quasi-religious or philosophical perspective, as is evident from the titles of many of his works. His delicate writing and creative imagery is remarkable for both its inventiveness and naturalism. We're going to begin uh, with uh, with, uh, the first of several pieces by Tokumitsu, a work uh, written fairly early in 1967, entitled November Steps. Uh, In his notes for the work, uh, Takamitsu listed 11 steps that show his particular orientation, and I thought I'd share them with you. First, the composer should not concern himself with blending traditional Japanese instruments with the Western Symphony Orchestra. On the contrary, by counterposing the biwa and the shakuhachi to the orchestra, he should vivify the foreignness of the sound which is unique to these instruments. Two, Establishing a number of distinct focuses within a musical composition is an objective facet of the business of composing. The composer also attempts to hear a single voice in the midst of numberless sounds. Three, the sounds of Western music dispose themselves along a horizontal. The sounds of shakuhachi occur vertically, the way a tree grows. Four, perhaps you have heard The sound which a shakuhachi master hopes to achieve in performance, the consummate shakuhachi sound, is the sound the wind makes when it blows through a decaying bamboo grove. Five, first of all, you must listen totally. Open your ears wide to what you hear. Before long, you will understand the aspirations of the sounds themselves. Six, it has been demonstrated that dolphins communicate not with their gibbering voices, but with the varied intervals of silence between the sounds they emit, a provocative discovery. Seven, between Tokyo and New York, there is a time difference. The orchestra is grouped as if in several time zones, with the entire spectrum of time in mind. Eight, At the end of a performance, it should not seem that a musical composition has come to an end. After all, which is more fun, a trip that has been planned meticulously or one taken on the spur of the moment? Nine, the most modern composers erect walls of sound, each with a mortar of his own ingenious making. But who inhabits all those rooms? Ten, eleven steps with no particular melodic unity like the music of no theater. The rhythm endlessly oscillates. And lastly, November Steps was commissioned by the New York Philharmonic for its 125th anniversary and is dedicated to that orchestra, 
It was performed at Philharmonic Hall in November 1967. And we're going to hear it now, performed by the Toronto Symphony, directed by Seiji Ozawa.
That was November Steps by Toro Takamitsu, performed by the Toronto Symphony, directed by Seiji Ozawa. Next, we hear uh, a work written for Gagaku Orchestra, entitled In an Autumn Garden, or at least part of it. The work was written in 1973 and is described by the composer as a reawakening of his creative energies in the realm of tone color and concepts relating to time such as tempo, duration, and the like, as well as spatial variations in color. The group of instruments in a gagaku orchestra are generally high-pitched. They generate a wide variety of colors and create an unworldly atmosphere. For example, the show, which relates to the power of man's breathing, the dry, penetrating echoes of the koto and biwa that form a completely different temporal sphere from the show and the hichiriki as well as the floating suspension of melisma that emerges from the winds, especially the hichiriki. In an autumn garden is actually in six parts, but we're going to listen only to the fourth part, and it is that part which gives the title to the entire work, and in a sense is the part of the work that is the basis for the entirety. It is performed now by the Tokyo Gagaku Orchestra, In an Autumn Garden by Tokumetsu.
And so we heard the fourth part uh, of Takamitsu's In an Autumn Garden, which is given the same name as the title of the entire work, and it was performed by the Tokyo Gogaku Orchestra. As in the previous works we've heard, in the next work, Takamitsu often concentrates on dream worlds and, and garden atmospheres. And the title of this work is indicative of that. A flock descends into the pentagonal garden. I think it's one of Takamitsu's best, and certainly is one of his most often performed works. Uh, he informs us that the work had its genesis in a dream, which may have been related to a photograph he had seen of the artist Marcel Duchamp. Duchamp cut his hair in the form of a star-shaped garden. Takamitsu describes the work as a shifting panorama of scenes in which the main motive introduced by the oboe and representing the so-called flock descends into the harmonious tone field called the pentagonal garden, which is created mainly by the strings. The musical material is based on the image of a pentagon, there are a set of five-note scales, each one having five transpositions. The work contains moments of silence, randomness, great dissonant swells, and delicate fragmentary melodies. It's performed now by the Bournemouth Symphony, directed by Marin Alsop on this Noxos recording of A Flock Descends into the Pentagonal Garden by Takamitsu.
We just heard Tokamitsu's A Flock Descends into the Pentagonal Garden, performed by the Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra, directed by Marin Alsop. The next work of Takamitsu again deals uh, with dreaming, uh, and this time with water, as again the title indicates, I Hear the Water Dreaming, written in 1987. The flute and its Japanese counterparts make up an important part of the instrumentation for this work. Uh, the idea of water is connected with one of Takamitsu's central ideas of dreaming. The work is associated in the composer's mind with a Western Australian Aboriginal painting called Water Dreaming that has a symbolical aspect. According to the composer, the flute melody played early in the work forms the basic material for the entire piece and corresponds to the aquatic icon in the painting. Although the orchestra is a rather large one, as if typical of Takamitsu's works for solo instrument and orchestra, the latter is used sparingly, mostly for support and to add coloristic qualities. The flutist, Patrick Galois, and the BBC Symphony, under the direction of Andrew Davis, to play I Hear the Water Dreaming by Takamitsu.
We've just heard I Hear the Water Dreaming by Toro Takamitsu, performed by Patrick Alois, the flutist, with the BBC Symphony, directed by Andrew Davis. In 1988, the year after I Hear the Water Dreaming, uh, the second of two works entitled Les Yeux Clos, The Closed Eyes. With the first work in this diptych, written some nine years before, these two pieces are considered Takamitsu's most interesting explorations among his piano works. Here, there's a sense of resolution, whether tonal or expressive, conveyed more implicitly than actually. We hear Tokaro Fikuma, the pianist, to play for us Les Yeux Clos, number two, by Takamitsu.
We've just heard the piano work Les Yeux Close, number two, written in 1988 by Tokometsu and performed by Kotaro Fikuma, pianist. The next work, From Me Flows What You Call Time, uh, is a later work written two years after Les Yeux Close. Uh, here, the concept of time and motion is another metaphysical aspect that Takamitsu tries to explore in his music. This extensive orchestral work, taking just over 30 minutes to perform, was one of his last compositions and is truly representative of Takamitsu's style, in which he tried to combine Western instruments with an oriental manner of expression and sensitivity to tone, color, and atmosphere. The BBC Symphony, directed by Andrew Davis, performs Takamitsu's from Me Flows What You Call Time, from 1990.
And that was Takamitsu's From Me Flows What You Call Time, performed by the BBC Symphony Orchestra, directed by Andrew Davis. And so we move on to another very important Japanese composer from about the same period, Toshi Ichianagi. He was born in 1933 and studied composition with Kishio Hireo and John Cage. In both 1949 and 51, Ichianagi won first prize at the Mainichi NHK Composition Contest. A few years later, he studied at Juilliard and was awarded the Elizabeth A. Coolidge Prize and the Serge Fusevitsky Prize while in the United States. When Ichianagi returned to Japan, he became one of its leading composers and a major influence on contemporary classical style in his native land. Since then, he has won numerous awards for composition, as well as many commissions. In 1989, he organized the Tokyo International Music Ensemble, which was called New Tradition, which focuses on traditional Japanese instruments and Buddhist chant. We're going to hear a few works by Ichinagi. First, his violin concerto, subtitled Circulating Scenery, written in 1988. It's based on the concepts that emerged from five pieces for violin and piano, which Ichinagi calls scenes, and consists of the traditional three movements of a concerto uh, with a circulating motive as its focal point. The composer indicates that he intended to combine elements of concerto and symphony in the work. As he tells us in the program notes for the premiere of the work in 1983, the title Circulating Scenery indicates a form in which memory and circulation are linked with a scene as their axis. The theme works as a sort of cap-verse game, a version of the composer's own perspective on reality. We'll hear Paul Zukovsky, the violinist, with the Tokyo Philharmonic, directed by Tadaki Otaka, in the Concerto for Violin and Orchestra, Circulating Scenery by Toshi Ichinagi.
Thank you.
We've just heard the Concerto for Violin and Orchestra, subtitled Circulating Scenery, written in 1988 by Toshi Ichianagi, performed by Paul Zukovsky, the violinist, with the Tokyo Philharmonic, directed by Tadaki Otaka. So we'll turn from a violin concerto to a piano concerto, of which Ichianagi has written several. This is the third we're going to listen to, another work with a subtitle, this one, Cross Water Roads. It was written in 1991. And in again, the composer's program notes, he suggests that the work reflects the contemporary situation in its social, environmental, and, and other aspects through various images of water. Of its three movements, the first functions as an introduction in which what appears to be unrelated motives reflect the activities of people on Earth. The middle movement is the longest and is a kind of requiem to the severe and miserable situation of humans. The final movement attempts to evoke a sense of liberation. We hear Keori Kimura, the pianist, with the orchestra ensemble Kanazawa, directed by Hiroki Iwaki in Toshi Ichianagi's Piano Concerto No. 3, 
cross-water roads. Thank you.
That work by Toshi Ichianagi was his piano concerto number three, subtitled Crosswater Roads, and performed by Keori Kimura, the pianist with the orchestra ensemble Kanazawa, directed by Hiroki Iwaki. And now for a string quartet by Ichianagi, uh, his third, another subtitle, Inner Landscape this time. This is a later work written in 1994. It utilizes various time values to reflect the existence of various lives in the world. It's an attempt to recognize the rich circulation of diverse time occurring in nature and the cosmos. Here, time and space intersect and interpenetrate each other. The New Art String Quartet then performs at Chianagi's String Quartet Number 3, Inner Landscape. Thank you. 
That was the third string quartet, subtitled Inner Landscape by Chianagi, performed by the New Arts String Quartet. And the last work by this composer we'll hear is a symphony, as so many Japanese composers have specialized in the symphony, uh, so has Chianagi. This is his fifth symphony, subtitled Time Perspective. Once again, time is utilized as a cosmic principle and plays a major role. According to the composer, and I quote, we human beings are treating time as digital. However, in this world we can find so many varieties of different time, such as the changes of seasons, the growth of a tree, the gradual formation of sand hills or sand beach made by the stream of water, even the element of time implicit in artwork. Each of these time values is of unique and irreplaceable significance. Unquote. Ichianagi's opera, Momo, supplied some of the material used in this symphony. The work consists of two movements, each of which have a short introduction, which eventually takes a different direction and results in a different frame of reference at the end. The Tokyo Philharmonic, directed by Hiroyuki Iwaki, performed the Symphony No. 5, Time Perspective by Ichianagi.
We've just heard the Fifth Symphony of Ichianagi, subtitled Time Perspective, performed by the Tokyo Philharmonic, directed by Hiroyuki Iwaki. We move now to another composer, born in the early 30s, 1933, Akira Miyoshi. He first studied at the Tokyo University as a French major, but because he was a child prodigy on the violin, he continued his music studies throughout much of his life. Uh, he studied with Hirai uh, and Ikenuchi, whose music we heard in the earlier parts of this program. Then he went to Paris to, dis- to study at the Conservatoire, from which he was graduated. He was very influenced by Henri de Tillieu, and so when he returned to Japan, he continued studying French, graduating there in 1960. In 65, he became a professor at the Toho Gakuen School of Music. There he was a recipient of the 31st Suntory Music Award in 1999. He also won four Otaka Prizes for his compositions. Miyoshi's music is basically lyrical and poetic. The first of the two works we're going to hear from Miyoshi is his Concerto for Orchestra, written in 1964. Actually, it's a short work for such a title. And uh, a Japanese critic in his review of the premiere of the work wrote the following. Miyoshi used to compose as though he were enveloping sound with his heart, but in this new piece he has boldly released sound that is quite full and rich. Certainly his previous works are characteristically beautiful, orderly in form, elaborately polished, a reflection of serene feeling. But at this point in his artistic career, Miyoshi has ceased conversing with the sounds within himself and has now begun to speak aloud. The composer himself has stated that in the combination of notes in this work, he has tried to realize a new idea from the outside. And so we'll hear Miyoshi's Concerto for Orchestra, performed by the NHK Symphony, directed by Hiroyushi Iwaki.
We've just heard the Concerto for Orchestra by Akira Miyoshi, performed by the NHK Symphony, directed by Hiroyushi Iwaki. Now we move to a violin concerto by Miyoshi, written between 1965 and 1972. Uh, he began it actually a year after the Concerto for Orchestra was finished, and it continues in the direction of that work. Its three movements are marked, or entitled, Dialogue, Ostinato, and Lento Lamentabile, Presto Pesante Molto Grave. It basically retains Miyoshi's relatively conservative approach. Without regressing into purely neo-romantic expressionism, the work deftly combines modern techniques with an expressive, even dramatic flair. The violinist is Kishiko Suzumi, with the NHK Symphony directed by Yuzo Toyama in the Violin Concerto by Akira Miyoshi.
That was the Violin Concerto by the Japanese composer Akira Miyoshi, performed by Kishiko Suzumi, with the NHK Symphony directed by Yuzo Toyama. Now we move to another composer, born a year after Miyoshi, and his name is Shuko Mizuno. Mizuno hails from one of the four main islands in southwest Japan. At first, he studied law and economics at Chiba University while studying music at the Tokyo National University of Fine Arts and Music, which is in fact the oldest and most prestigious arts institute in Japan. After graduation, he taught and conducted music at Chiba University until his retirement in 1999. A brief stay in the U.S. on a Rockefeller grant resulted in acquiring an interest in jazz and rock. Upon Mizuno's return to Japan in 1974, the NHK asked him to write a TV opera based upon the Japanese novel Tenshu Monogatari, the tale of the Haimeji Castle. 
He used this commission as an opportunity to experiment with his newfound musical instruments acquired from his sojourn in America, utilizing and combining orchestral music with improvisation, jazz, rock, and traditional Japanese folk and popular music. In recent years, uh, Mizuno has been active in opera and symphonic music. We're going to hear first a work called Summer, a symphonic poem written in 1988. It was with this work that the composer tells us he found his individual voice. He had no intention of being descriptive in the piece. Instead, the work is a product of a romantic spirit evoked by recollections of a summer in Shinsu, where he was surrounded by shining sun, peaks of mountains enveloped by huge clouds, thunderstorms, fierce winds and violent rains, breezes blowing through the shade of trees, flaming reflections of sunset, misty evenings, and the sound of music in the highlands. So the composer tells us. The Tokyo Symphony, directed by Hideomi Kuroiwa, perform Summer, a symphonic poem by Shuko Mizuno.
the music of Shuko Mizuno, his Summer, a symphonic poem performed by the Tokyo Symphony, directed by Hideomi Kuroiwa. And now we hear the third symphony of Mizuno, uh, written in 1997. It's in three movements. The first uses two different musical ideas. One focuses on monumental orchestral sound, the other on melodic and harmonic elements. The second movement is described by the composer as a transfiguration of clusters and atonal polyphony. The third concentrates on vibrant rhythms. A fragmented motive, like a coded message, develops through polyrhythms into a disco-like sound with Baroque characteristics, you can imagine. All the elements of symphony interconnect as the work approaches a chaotic climax that is followed by memories of the first movement at the end. The Tokyo Symphony again, this time directed by Kazufumi Yamashita to perform the Symphony Number no. 3 by Shuko Mizuno.
That was the music of Shuko Mizuno, his third symphony from 1997, performed by the Tokyo Symphony, directed by Kazufumi Yamashita. And now we turn to the music of Hikaru Hayashi. He was born in 1931 uh, and was a cousin to the flautist Ririko Hayashi. He entered the Tokyo University of the Arts as a composition student, but did not complete his studies. Instead, he took instruction under Hisatada Otaka, and that produced many compositions, including orchestral works. In particular, Hayashi was noted for his choral suite, Scenes from Hiroshima. Hayashi composed more than 30 operas. He was artistic director and resident composer of the opera theater Kon Yakuza. His operas were somewhat like theater pieces, akin to operettas or musical theater. His compositions also include symphonic works, works for band, chamber music, choral works, songs, and more than 100 film scores. He was a frequent collaborator with film director Kaneto Shindo. Hayashi is the author of more than 20 books, uh, including Nihon Opera no Yume, the dream of Japanese opera. In 1998, Hayashi won the 30th Suntory Music Award. With composers such as Mamaya and Toyama, he formed the Association of the Goat, which tried to infuse a more Japanese spirit in modern music. Unfortunately, this past January, due to a tragic accident, uh, Japan lost one of its more important contemporary composers in Hikaru Hayashi. We're going to listen uh, to one of his works, a symphony entitled Canciones. It takes a number of motives from songs that were used as main themes throughout the work, and that's the reason for the subtitle Canciones. The first part takes its cue from a song written to a text by Garcia Lorca. It begins with a conversation between piano and woodwinds and then swells into a final ensemble. A fragment from Shostakovich's first piano concerto can be heard. The second is a set of variations based on a melody taken from an Okinawan children's song, Crow. The third is based on a piano cadenza from Schumann's Die Alte Börsenlieder. And the fourth and final part of the work, which continues without a break, is based upon a song that the composer wrote for one of his operas, a kind of countersong to the Schumann. Here, the work written for piano and orchestra, we have the pianist Yuji Takahashi with the Tokyo Philharmonic, directed by Tadaki Otaka, performing the second symphony, Canciones, by Hikaru Hayashi.
The music of Hikaru Hayashi, his second symphony, subtitled Canciones. It was performed by Yuji Takahashi at the piano with the Tokyo Philharmonic Orchestra, directed by Tadaki Otaka. Now we hear music by Maki Ishii. Ishii was born in Tokyo and studied composition privately with two prominent composers and music teachers, Ifukube and Ikenuchi, both of whose music we heard earlier in the program. He studied conducting with Watanabe from 1952 to 1958 in Tokyo, and then moved to Berlin, where he continued his studies under Boris Blacher and Josef Rufer, the latter a pupil of Schoenberg. In 1962, Ishii returned to Japan. His music has been performed by the Taiko group Kodo, and he has composed for Japanese instruments as well as symphony orchestra and other Western instruments. Unfortunately, uh, in 2003, Ichi died uh, of thyroid cancer at the age of 66. We're going to hear his Translucent Vision, Opus 49. Uh, Ichi had studied serialism with Rufer, uh, and this is largely responsible for the work, uh, which was written uh, from 1981 to 1982. Uh, but I Ishii was skeptical about a proper application of this technique uh, in the context of a Japanese idiom. According to the composer, and I quote, I did not mean to compose this piece as a survey of past experience on a specific subject. I composed it using such techniques as recurrence of simple patterns of rhythm, translucence of dissonance and consonance, and fragments of melody. My purpose is to chain all of them organizationally into a unified whole and synthesize them in a new meaning. Uh, we hear uh, the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony under Yomeoka to perform Translucent Vision by Maki Ishii.
the music of Maki Ishii. His translucent vision, Opus 49, performed by the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony under Yamaoka. Now we turn to the music of an, a younger composer, Yoshio Hachimura. Although Hachimura had always uh, been somewhat of a marginal figure in Japanese music because of his difficult personality, as well as his premature death, the issuance of a multi-disc album of his music stirred substantial interest. Hachimura was a student of Shibata and Irino at the Tokyo University of Fine Arts and Music. At first, he followed a basically Schoenbergian line, although his music is highly personal, being sometimes described as bordering on madness. But he soon abandoned the 12-tone school when he became interested in improvisation and in the group Ongaku, formed by his fellow student Takehisa Kosugi and Shuko Mizuno, whose music we just heard. Uh, we're going to listen to uh, three works by this composer, Hachimura. First, uh, a work for violin and piano called Improvisation, uh, written in 1964, after he had written a work uh, several years later, I think it was 1957, also called Improvisation, uh, written only for piano and in the 12-tone idiom. Despite it, the title of the work, it is not purely aleatoric. In fact, nothing is left to the performer to decide. Hachimura tried to stabilize his impulsive and emotional feelings by using the title, yet the music does convey a feeling of improvisation with its 3-8 rubato tempo, fast arpeggios, and use of high register on the violin. The pianist is Midori Matsuya with Sasko Gavrilov, the violinist, in Improvisations for Piano and Violin by Yoshio Hachimura.
That was a work of 1964 by Yoshio Hachimura, his improvisation for violin and piano, the pianist Midori Matsuyua, uh, and the violinist Satsuko Gavrilov. The next work is entitled Dolcissima Mia Vita from 1981. Uh, it's one of Hachimura's last works in which his imaginative use of color is given free reign. The work is for solo percussion, uh, and the title is taken from a collection of five voice madrigals by Gisualdo. It begins with a middle F on the vibraphone, to which the music returns at regular intervals, acting as a kind of focal point that holds the work's emotional excesses together, as it shifts between extreme sweetness on the edge of silence to a violence built more from tension of timbre and tone than huge outbursts. The pianist is Aki Takahashi. Sumiri Yoshihara performs the, the percussion with instrumental ensembles directed by Yoshio Hachimura, the composer of Dolcissima Mia Vita.
The music of Yoshio Hachimura is Dolcissima Mia Vita from 1981, performed by Aki Takahashi at the piano with Sumira Yoshihara, the percussionist, 
and the instrumental ensembles directed by the composer. The third work we're going to hear from this composer, Hachimura, is called Breathing Field. It was written around the time of Jochisima um, and is again a late work that attracted the most attention, I suspect, of the comp- compositions that uh, Hichimura had left with us. It is an extensive work, taking over 14 minutes, and produces some of the composer's most captivating effects with a light touch through the use of a chamber ensemble. The performers are Hiroshi Koizumi, the flutist, Yoshiaki Suzuki on the clarinet, Sumiera Yoshihara, vibraphone, Yasunori Yamaguchi, tabular bells, and Aki Takahashi at the piano, performing Breathing Field by Yoshio Hachimura. Thank you. 
We've heard the music of Yoshio Hachimura, his Breathing Field, Opus 15, from 1981 and 1982, performed by Hiroshi Koizuma, flute, Yashiaki Suzuki, clarinet, Sumire Yoshihara, vibraphone, Yasunori Yamaguchi, tabular bells, and Aki Takahashi at the piano. Our next composer is Teruyuki Noda was born in 1940. While a student at the Tokyo National University of Fine Arts and Music, Noda won first prize at a Japan music competition. Then after graduation, he went on to win a prize at the Centennial of Metropolitan Tokyo. In 1970, Noda became director of the Municipal Pavilion at a World Exhibition and collaborated with Yoshio Mamaya and Mitsuhiko Sato. Four years later, he was awarded the Prix d'Italia of the Radio Italy, uh, which is a group that was organized for young composers, and he went on to serve as its chairman for 10 years. Noda began composing under the influence of the French school, but soon he joined a group formed by his teacher, Ikanucci, whose music we have already heard. Noda is now generally recognized as one of the leading composers in Japan. He teaches at the university from which he was graduated. We're going to hear two works by Noda, both of them symphonies, and written in succession. The first is his first symphony from 1966, written on a commission by the Japan Philharmonic while he was still a graduate student. What I aimed at in this work, he says, was a supreme synthesis of musical structure and idea which has been the basis of my activity as a composer and without which my subsequent works would not have come into existence. The symphony is written in three movements. The first is based on a tone row created from the opening tones and appearing in four fixed chords that alternate with rhythmic motives added. The first movement shows them in contrast as well as in conflict. Each element becomes an ostinato, which appears then develops and is transformed. The second movement, Largo Varazioni Largo, continues from the first movement without pause. In it, the four fixed chords are further transformed. The movement consists itself of five parts, an arietta, a ritunello, effettuoso, esodio, which is a kind of intermission, uh, and affrettando. The third movement, Intruzione, presto, 
is constructed in sonata rondo form and dominated by a rhythmic motive from the first movement. The elements are organizationally connected. The three movements thus correspond to an overall sonata form, exposition, development, and recapitulation. The first symphony won first prize in 1963 at the Mainichi Usi Contours competition. We're going to hear it performed by the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony, directed by Kazuhiro Kiyoizumi. The symphony number one by Teruyuki Noda.
We've just heard the first symphony of Teruyuki Noda, written in 1966. It was performed by the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony, directed by Kazuhiro Koizumi. And now the work written immediately after the first symphony and called a choral symphony, Opus 9, it was awarded the Prize of Excellence at the Tokyo Centenary Celebration Concours for 1968. The composer said that he tried to create a prayer rather than a fanfare. The entire work is composed of a chorale and variations, but not in the conventional variations form. Instead, the variations are first presented and they build up gradually uh, until the chorale is completely stated, somewhat like Mahler's Eighth Symphony Part Two. Although seemingly divided into three parts, the work is in a seamless and timeless slow tempo. The symphony begins in largo tempo and becomes gradually slower to a, into a string adagio and then grave. After the climax, the, the symphony rushes into the second part with the chorale as the main element. In the first half of the third part, the grave passage of the first part reappears, though in a more complex form. In the second half of the last part, the chorale returns again over its own variations. The music slows down as it reaches the coda, and after it passes through a climax, only a bell sound is left at the end. The NHK Symphony, directed by Hiroyushi Iwaki, performs the Choral Symphony, Opus 9, by Teruyuki Noda.
We have just heard the Choral Symphony, Opus 9, by Teruyuki Noda, performed by the NHK Symphony, directed by Hiroyushi Iwaki. And the third work we're going to hear uh, from uh, Noda is uh, called Carnival for Orchestra. It was written several years after the symphonies in 1989. The title of the work does not have any religious meaning, nor does it depict a festival, except in its general expression, which is implicit in its freestyle. An ever-developing force dominates the entire work. Two principal motives form the general material. In the latter half of the work, a melody with an Argonese rhythm is introduced. The second motive, presented originally by lower strings, reaches a culmination in which it is played by the brass. This time, the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony is directed by Kazuhiro Koizumi to perform Carnival for Orchestra by Teruyuki Noda.
the music of Teronyuki Noda, his Carnival for Orchestra, performed by the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony, directed by Kazuhiro Koizumi. We move now to uh, a composer who was born during World War II, 1943, uh, Shin Ichiro Ikebe. Ikebe studied with Ikenuchi, Yashiro, and Mayoshi at the Tokyo University of Fine Arts and Music. And in 1966, only 23 years old, he won first prize at the Ongaku no Tomo Sha competition for chamber music composition. The very next year, he took third prize at the Nakamishi Music Competition, and since then, he's received numerous awards. His six symphonies, piano and violin concertos and operas, are his mainstay, although he has received due notice for his film music and incidental music for more than 300 plays. Ikebe is vice president of the Japan Federation of Composers and a member of numerous music committees in Japan. From Ikebe, we're going to hear three works. First, a piece for organ and orchestra entitled Dimorphism. It was written in 1974. Ikebe used to play organ for the NHK Symphony, which commissioned the work. He treats the organ here like an orchestra unto itself, which confronts the orchestra uh, playing against it. A revised version was premiered two years after the original. It won a prize at the 1974 Arts Festival. And so here is Dimorphism for Organ and Orchestra. The organist is Naomi Matsui. The Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony is directed by Kotaro Sato.
music by Shidichiro Ikebe, his dimorphism for organ and orchestra, Naomi Matsui, the organist with the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony, directed by Kotaro Sato. Next we hear one of the symphonies that I mentioned. We're going to hear two of his six symphonies. Uh, This is number three, written in 1984 and subtitled Ego Fano. According to the composer, Ego Fano are the words that Sophocles let Oedipus say in his tragedy. Oedipus becomes the king by his distinguished work, Saving Thebes from a National Disaster, by solving the mystery of the Sphinx. As the well-known story goes, one day Thebes suffered from epidemics and starvation. After asking Apollo, Ego Fano, I shall make it clear... Uh, he would find out who the killer was, and thus Oedipus would save his country. What happened, of course, is generally known. We are surprised by the fact that the words ego fano also mean oneself is cleared in oneself. Thus, the expression has a double meaning, which foresees the end of the tragedy. But the symphony truly has no direct connection with Oedipus. But the composer thought of using the words as a subtitle, He explains the reason. The extreme intellectuality and its epitome, pedantry, dogmatism of method, being buried in vague imagination, superficial belief in anonymity, easy marriage to pops, thoughtless reversion to classicism, and so on. And he came to feel that ego fano, clearing of this, clearing oneself out of this, uh, was something that he would look forward to in in hope for the future. The work comprises one movement, but is composed in four different tempos. The key tone is G, and that G is used continuously throughout the work. The consistency of tempo and key mean ego equals self, and the orchestra is the structure which surrounds the ego, kind of like society does. The opening motto is central to the entire work. We hear it performed, once again, by the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony, directed by Kotaro Sato, the third symphony of the composer Shinichiro Ikebe.
The work we've just heard was the symphony number no. three, subtitled Ego Fano, by the composer Shinichiro Ikebe, performed by the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony, directed by Kotaro Sato. And now we move ahead some almost 10 years to the sixth symphony of Ikebe. Another subtitle is used, another intellectual orientation. It's called On the Individual Coordinates. The symphony is based upon a new concept of repetition that Ikebe worked with in his fourth symphony. He discovered this concept in working with Japanese no dance. The symphony is in three movements that are not given markings or subtitles. We hear it performed now by the New Japan Philharmonic, directed by Hiroyuki Iwaki.
the symphony number six on the individual coordinates by the Japanese composer Shinichiro Ikebe was performed by the New Japan Philharmonic directed by Hiroyuki Iwaki. We move now to a contemporary of Iwaki, Atsutada Otaka. Otaka is one of numerous musicians in his family, including the conductor of the work of Atsutada Otaka that we're going to hear. He studied in Paris under the great organist Durofle, and in fact the work we're going to hear, uh, the fantasy for organ and orchestra, was clearly influenced by the great French organist. Um, it was commissioned by the Tokyo University of Fine Arts and Music and premiered in 1999. It has a duration of about a half hour and is quite an extensive work in both its development uh, and originality. The organist is Brian Ashley with the Sapporo Symphony directed by Tadake Otaka.
We've heard the fantasy for organ and orchestra of Atsutada Otaka, performed by Brian Ashley at the organ with the Sapporo Symphony, directed by the brother of the composer, Tadaki Otaka. Our next composer uh, comes from Osaka, Akira Nishimura. He was born in 1953 and studied music at the Tokyo National University of Fine Arts and Music, as so many of his fellow composers had. There, he immersed himself in Asian traditional music, religious, ethical, cosmological, and heterophonic principles, all of which had a major influence on him. During his graduate studies, Nishimura wrote several works uh, which won prizes in Japan, this naturally led to commissions, of which he has received many. Nishimura now teaches at the Tokyo College of Music and is music director of the Mizumi Sinfonietta in Osaka. The first work of Nishimura we're going to listen to is entitled Into the Lights of the Eternal Chaos. As the title indicates, it is sourced in Nishimura's deep interest in cosmological subjects. The work was written in 1990 and is developed from a drone on a low E with layers of harmonic overtones constantly used as background, kind of like hidden lights. The linear material and the surface of sound flows seamlessly in front of the layer of harmonic overtones, waving like a whirlpool, sometimes intensely, sometimes calmly. This orchestral flow reaches full harmonization about seven minutes into the piece, and achieves a brighter atmosphere. Then at the second climax, which happens about 13 minutes into the work, the orchestra becomes more like a flowing river that will be transfigured into a violent undulatory cluster that builds to a catastrophic conclusion. Then the coda repeats the calm achieved earlier, and the large and small whirlpools join together, becoming unstable. But soon they recover their balance and move to a new dimension at which the final section begins. Here the Bruckner Orchestra of Linz is directed by Christoph Escher to perform Akira Nishimura's Into the Lights of the Eternal Chaos.
That was a work entitled Into the Lights of the Eternal Chaos, composition by Akira Nishimura, was performed by the Bruckner Orchestra of Linz, directed by Christoph Escher. So many of modern Japanese composers still use nature, as one might expect uh, aesthetically in Japan, as their subject matter, and, and in the case of Nishimura, birds, uh, like Messiaen as well, uh, is, a, is a major focal point. And the next work we're going to hear, entitled Birds in Light, is just one example. The composer tells us that at the beginning, he thought that a fertile stream of silence exists in sound, and that he tried to take this stream and make music out of it. There is a, an, an aura of light that pervades the piece and swirls about with flickering flame-like lines. And then a melody is developed, which is wrapped by a vortex of that aura. The orchestration of the work is an attempt to realize this swirling perspective in slow and fast motion. The use of birds in the title is a symbol of a soul on the wing and is drifting in a vortex of aura, ascending and descending, sometimes screaming. Within the music, the voice of the birds are variously sounded as musical abstractions, and the birds are finally breathed into the fertile stream of silence that the composer refers to, which is kind of like the eternal mother's womb. At the end of the work, an aura appears as an explosion flashes before us. The Metropolitan Symphony is now directed by Kazuhiro Koizumi to perform Birds in Light by Akira Nishimura.
We've just heard Birds in Light, a work by Akira Nishimura, performed by the Metropolitan Symphony, directed by Kazuhiro Koizumi. Next, and the last work uh, of this composer that we will hear, is called Vision in Twilight, written in 1995. It had its genesis during a visit in India in the spring of 1994. Nishimura stayed in Varanasi at one side of the Ganges River Basin. There he discovered a sacred Hindu memorial. Nishimura's experience while rowing out into the Ganges at the setting of the sun, with the river shimmering with the red reflective light of the sunset, held a spiritual meaning for the composer. He tried to capture the effect of bringing together various colors of nature, joining them together by using modes of different colors to form a kind of river of modes, which intervenes and flows in tandem as well as separately. But the piece also has a nostalgic character, inclined to evoke Thanatos, the instinct of death. For as Nishimura puts it, As we are suspended in the sound, we dwell in death. Once again, the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony, directed by Kazuhiro Koizumi, performs Vision in Twilight, a work by Akira Nishimura.
the music of Akira Nishimura, his Vision in Twilight, performed by the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony, directed by Kazuhiro Koizumi. Now we come to, again, one of the great leaders uh, in, the, in post-World War II Japan, musically speaking, Takahashi Yoshimatsu. Yoshimatsu studied with Taizo Matsumura. After a venture with rock and jazz, as well as traditional Japanese music, Yoshimatsu won a prize in the Second Japan Philharmonic Promotion Foundation competition in 1980. Then two years later, he won another prize for the work we're going to hear in a moment, his threnody to Tokai. Later, he founded the Research Center for Fan de Sacre Music with Akira Nishimura, whose music we just heard. I might mention that in an earlier program on concertos for unusual instruments, uh, we featured uh, Yashimatsu's saxophone concerto. In Threnody to Tokai, uh, Opus 12 uh, by Yashimatsu, the composer tells us that Tokai is a bird which belongs to the Tokai family uh, in the order of the stork. It inhabits Japan only, although recently has been found in the interior of China. Yoshimatsu began composing the work after what was thought to be the last Tokai had died, although, in fact, it turned out that about ten of them remained. The work is written for strings and piano, the strings arranged in two groups, on the left and on the right, like the wings of a bird, and the piano in the center, somewhat akin to the body of the bird. Uh, the performance is by the New Japan Philharmonic, directed by Michiyoshi in a way, who also plays the piano in, in this recording, of Threnody to Tokai by Takashi Yoshimatsu.
the music of Takashi Yoshimatsu, his Threnody to Tokai, performed by the New Japan Philharmonic, directed by Michiyoshi Inoue, who was both conductor and pianist in this performance. Birds were, of course, for Yoshimatsu, as for other composers that we've heard, an important uh, focal point of their composition, and such is true as well uh, of the next work of Yoshimatsu that we're going to hear, The Age of Birds, written in 1986. The work is an ode to those who fly away from the chaotic forest of contemporary music and seek new wings, as it were. Yoshimatsu tells us that he had an idea to apply not only musical figures of birds, twittering or bird songs, but also various things such as the manner in which they open their wings, the softness of their feathers, their gestures on boughs or on the ground, or a flock of birds flying high up in the sky. The work is organized somewhat like a symphony with three movements, moderato, scherzo, and allegro. But also it's like a trilogy with the following descriptions. First, the sky, what the sky gives to birds, a canticle for the sky, for clouds and birds. Second, on the tree, what a tree narrates to birds, an accumulation of rhythm of foreign birds who pass by. And finally, the sun, what the sun presents to birds, a feast of birds who fly high toward the sun. The Japan Philharmonic is directed by Naoto Otomo in The Age of Birds by Takashi Yoshimatsu.
The music of Takashi Yoshimatsu, his The Age of Birds, performed by the Japan Philharmonic under the direction of Naoto Otomo. Now one of the symphonies uh, by this fascinating uh, Japanese composer, Yoshimatsu, his fifth symphony, uh, Opus 87, which was written in 2001. Yoshimatsu acknowledges that Goethe's Faust played a role in the composition of this symphony. In fact, several Japanese authors have used the Faust story in combination with Japanese folk legends and Buddhist concepts. Yoshimatsu's symphony uh, it contains four movements, uh, which the composer describes as follows. First, a jarring introduction on Dante Pesante with three heterogeneous motives, followed by a wild, driving, schizophrenic allegro molto, in which regret and hope become distorted and entangled. Second, this is a sardonic, dry, demonic scherzo in which a nightmarish apparition wearing a cynical smile has its way over a jazz-style bass line. The third movement is the slow movement of the work uh, and is a lament for the feminine. The music mingles birds' dreams, reminiscences under stardust, and the echoes of a waltz for the composer's deceased younger sister. And finally... Uh, the finale opens with a fanfare and with a sense of celebration, and the movement then pushes through to the end as, with a delirious dance on a rock beat. Thus, convergence and sublimation are both united. The BBC Philharmonic, conducted by Sachio Fujioka, performed the Symphony Number no. 5, Opus 87, by Yoshimatsu.
That was the symphony number five uh, by the Japanese composer Toshimatsu, performed by the BBC Philharmonic, directed by Sachio Fujioka. Next, we come to the music of Toshio Hosokawa, who was born in 1955. He studied with Jung Isang uh, at the Berlin University of the Arts, uh, and since 1998, uh, Hosokawa has served as composer in residence at the Tokyo Symphony Orchestra. In 2004, he became a guest professor at the Tokyo College of Music, and in 2001, a member of the Akademie der Kunste in Berlin. Hosokawa has received numerous awards, uh, too many to mention, as well as several honors, and his music is often, as you've noticed, I suspect, from other composers in this program, infused with philosophical conceptions and connotations. And the work we're going to play uh, is a perfect example uh, of that orientation. It's called The Endzeit der Zeit, or Toward the End of Time, and was written in 1987. Hosokawa tells us that here the solo violin symbolizes mankind that the universe exists within humankind as well as outside. Various songs emerge both within and without us, making us one with the universe. Thus, according to the composer, the music develops slowly toward infinity, bridging the gulf between humankind and the universe. Hosokawa was inspired by the rich and profound monochrome of oriental scenic painting that parallels string sounds. He envisions the solo violin uh, as spreading not only to parts external, but to internal being. Here, crescendos are meant to symbolize motion toward the external and diminuendos toward inner depths. The performers are Kei Suzumi on the violin with the NHK Symphony directed by Toyama uh, in Jenseit der Zeit, Toward the End of Time, by Toshio Hosokawa.
music of Toshio Hosokawa, his Toward the End of Time, performed by the NHK Symphony with uh, Kei Suzumi on, at the violin uh, and Wayu, Yu, Toyama, the conductor. We turn next to uh, a, a fascinating work by this composer, Hosokawa. It's actually entitled Memory of the Sea, but has uh, been referred to most often as the Hiroshima Symphony. Hosokawa grew up in Hiroshima, and in this work he wanted to express the sound of the sea, the light, aromas, moving clouds, and the breezes that he fondly recalls. Although the city has been for so long associated with the bomb, Hosokawa's memory of it reflects more on its attractive countryside, which made a remarkable recovery after the devastation caused by the atomic bomb. So the composer here wanted to create a paean to the resilience of humankind in the face of a threat to its very existence. The Sapporo Symphony is conducted by Tadaki Otaka in Memory of the Sea, the Hiroshima Symphony by Toshio Hosokawa.
Memory of the Sea, also known as the Hiroshima Symphony, by uh, Toshio Hosokawa, was performed by the Sapporo Symphony, directed by Tadaki Otaka. Next, we turn to the music of Toshio Kawanami. I thought I would include a work by this composer because I think the work is especially impressive, uh, his own dean for soprano and orchestra. He is, of course, a contemporary composer, having been born in 1952, and he tried to to create a sound entity in his music, uh, which here both synthesizes and sublates the world of poetry to that of pure sound. So he let the words take precedence, but he discovered that each word was so full of diverse meaning that he struggled to find just the right expression for it. And so he uses in uh, his score the texts that he's based the work on, and that are sung by the soprano here. The first movement, the text is as follows. Your cold flow is always inside me. In this world, purity is a disease. When it synchronizes with love, it becomes heavy. So it would have been better to find another you, to find the ailing ondi. When Hans and the others hold you in their arms, their eyes are always looking elsewhere. You cannot forgive them because of your purity, but you made the attempt to be kind and forgive their corruption with your love. I wonder if love is always a corruption, overflowing like water within water. What was once a clear, quiet life was profaned, was violated, and was desecrated. And this was the beginning of the human drama the start down the road toward catastrophe. Loneliness was the only natural result from the start. The point of contact between two lonely people set off a spark which flew out to perfect the loneliness of both to bring them complete beauty. The text of the second part, while knowing all this, my Ondine, the thing that you feared most was not parting, but rather the catastrophe of unity when two lonelinesses fail to set off a spark. Shedding blood and being bound together by blood, both die and disappear, consumed in flame, reduced to lifeless ashes. Ondine had a great fear of the water because she could not swim. You left me behind on a moonlit beach and fled to a hut of cheaper love. The poetry is from an anthology of the poetry of Sakicho Yashiwara. And so let's listen then to Ondin for Soprano and Orchestra by Toshio Kawanami. Kayomi Toyoda is the soprano with the Tokyo Philharmonic directed by Tadaki Otaka.
the music of Toshio Kawanami, his Ondine for soprano and orchestra, the soprano Koyomi Toyoda, with the Tokyo Philharmonic, directed by Tadaki Otaka. Born in 1955, Mamoru Fujieda is associated with the post-minimalist movement of contemporary classical music. He received a Ph.D. in music from the University of California at San Diego in 1988. His composition instructors have included Jojo Yuasa, whose music we heard before, Morton Feldman, Gordon Moma, and Julio Estrada. Fujieda currently serves as a professor at the Kyushu University in Japan. His music has been performed frequently in the U.S., Europe, and Asia, and has been recorded on the Sadiq Records label. In 1993, he organized uh, a festival, Sound Culture Japan, which was devoted to the sonic arts. Fujieda has written three works uh, under the title The Night Chant, based upon various artworks used in Navajo ceremonies. His third effort uh, under this title has four parts to it, Wind Chant, Cocoon Chant, Duct Chant, and The Falling Chant. It is written for Shobio Singer and Computer, controlled by the composer. In the use of the computer for this piece, uh, Fujieda acknowledges the influence of John Cage and Lou Harrison. Fujieda uses several types of modes from gamelan slendrol and other scales based on the overtone series. The shomyo chant is regulated upon the pitches of these scales and modes. The sound poem adapted by Jerome Rothenberg from Navajo Night Chant is used as a text, which goes through various transformations. The first text is translated into English, and then the English is converted to Japanese and sung, therefore, by the Shomyo singer, uh, who in this recording is Makiko Sakurai, and uh, the computer is, as I said earlier, controlled by the composer Mamoru Fujieda. Night chant number three, and we're only going to listen to the fourth of its four parts, the falling chant.
We've just heard the fourth part of the composition, the night chant number three, uh, that part being called falling chant uh, by the composer Mamoru Fujieda. It was sung by Makiko Sakurai, in the computer controlled by the composer. And now we come to the last and most uh, current, youngest, of the composers on our program, Karen Tanaka. She was born in 1961 in Tokyo, where she started piano and composition lessons as a child. After studying composition with Akiro Miyoshi and piano uh, with Nobuko Amada at the Toho Gakuen School of Music in Tokyo, Tanaka moved to Paris in 1986 and with the aid of the French government received a scholarship to study with Tristan Murel and uh, at IRCAM uh, she became an intern. In 1987 she was awarded the Gaudiamos International Composers Award at the International Music Week in Amsterdam. She studied with Luciano Berrio in Florence between 1990 and 91, and um, uh, it was from the fund she received uh, uh, from the Nadia Boulanger Foundation that this was made possible, as well as from the Japanese government. In 1998, Tanaka was appointed as co-artistic director of the Yatsukataki Kogen Music Festival, previously directed by Toru Togamitsu. In 2005, she was awarded the Beku Prize. Tanaka's love of nature and concern for the environment has influenced many of her works, including Questions of Nature, Frozen Horizon, Water and Stone, Dreamscape, Ocean, Tales of Trees, Water Dance, Crystalline Series, and Children of Light. Her works have been performed by distinguished ensembles and orchestras throughout the world, including the BBC, the Los Angeles Philharmonic. The list goes on and on and on. Various dance companies have performed her works, and she's taught composition at the University of California at Santa Barbara and the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. Karen Tanaka currently lives in Los Angeles and teaches composition at California's Institute of the Arts. We're going to listen to her Frozen Horizon. It's a work, as with so many of Tanaka's, that has a cosmic conception behind it. Written in 1998, it's scored for amplified ensemble of flute percussion, which consists of suspended cymbals, vibraphone, and crotales, two violins, a viola, cello, and double bass. Frozen Horizon describes the landscape of Harstad, a town on a small island in northern Norway, above the Arctic Circle. There, the sun doesn't rise in winter, and the northern lights are often visible. In Tanaka's own words, beyond the icy earth's surface, the frozen sea spreads toward a curved boundary line between the sea and the dark sky. Time passes slowly there. As a parallel to the landscape, the music changes slowly and with subtle nuance through undulating, echoing passages in the strings and flute. Rippling outwards like a pool, the musical phrases gradually expand to the limits of the instrumental ranges before fading away. About halfway through the piece, one can experience in sound the northern lights, 
shimmering and glimmering with ostinato figures over long sustained tones. As this passage gradually diminishes, the beginning is recalled before the music fades away entirely. The Azure Ensemble now performs Frozen Horizon by Karen Tanaka.
And so we conclude our three-part series on music from Japan with the composition Frozen Horizon by the youngest composer in our series, Karen Tanaka. It was performed by the Azure Ensemble. I hope that you've found this venture, as comprehensive as it was, as interesting as I did in programming it. For the next Buried Treasure, we'll listen to music based upon the works of Shakespeare. Until then, this has been Lou Smoley wishing you great adventures in uncovering musical buried treasure.